Hey everyone, welcome to another Book Sounds Book Reviews. I'm Tracy. And I'm Eric. And you should know right now, if you're hearing my voice, it means that Eric has the book review for this week. And everybody's like, oh. Oh man. <laughs> is it going to be out of Eric's genre or is it actually going to be no, one of it's his in Eric. <laughs> it's very much in Eric's genre. They're like, oh man, I don't <laughs> want that one. Is it going to be finance? <laughs> so, this is going to be kind of different. Because in this episode, we are going to review one, two, three, four different books in one. So I'm intrigued. The books that we're reviewing are all written by a guy named Garrett Gunderson. Okay. And the books are called What Would the Rockefellers Do? Killing Sacred Cows, Budgeting Sucks, and What Would Millionaires Do? Billionaires Do, I'm sorry. Interesting. So the reason I grouped all these into one one podcast episode is because, like I said, they're all written by the same person. And the person that what, he writes these books to draw clients to his business. So basically, these three, while they are four different books, they essentially talk about the same basic concepts in every book. You know, I'm sitting here right now thinking, how am I going to title this podcast episode? <laughs> Well, you got you got some time to think about it. So, so what are these books? So, I I couldn't even tell you what what book this is from. But in one of these books, the the author tells a story. And when he was young, he got into personal finance. Now everybody's he, like, "Great, now I got to read them all." Thanks. And actually, I would not recommend that everybody read all these books. But we'll get into that at the end. But. So he he told a story about so he got into personal finance he became your typical you know financial consultant you would go goes to they tell you how to right. invest in Roth IRAs all these different things and he had a ton of success and he went to an award ceremony got an award for what he was doing in the field and somebody came up to him afterwards and said and said uh god you've done a wonderful job with your business and he said and the person basically just said, I can't wait to see what you do in the next phase. <laughs> and he was kind of thrown off by that. He was like, what well, do you mean? What do you mean, what, what do you mean the next phase? I've yeah. I've kind of conquered. Yeah, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, this, and, yeah. where, I where do I go from here? Yep, I know the and, feeling. And, but he said, he said after that conversation, he realized because we're... Normal normal people in this country are taught one way of doing personal finances. Right. And that is not... When you think of the ultra-rich, they don't do anything that we're taught to do. So right. what we're taught to do is just like... If you think Jeff Bezos is investing in the stock in individual mutual funds and right. in Roth IRAs and no, they don't. No. They don't. The ultra rich do something completely different, mm -hmm. and he, he didn't even at the time when he had that conversation realize that. But this is like now his business is at the point where they have taken this next step, and this is kind of like a fundamental strategy that they use with their next step. So it's okay. a completely different way of investing your money okay than what we would typically know and i will tell anybody if they're fascinated by this and if you have a financial advisor and you go and tell them that you're interested in this strategy they're gonna look at you they will tell hands. you it is the dumbest thing in the world and you should absolutely not do it 
Makes sense. So because it's not the norm. Yeah. It is absolutely not the norm. Yep. And that... So it's just one of those things that's way outside the box. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going to get into what that strategy is. Interesting. So basically, as you can tell, the first book that I said was called What Would the Rockefellers Do? Mm-hmm. And are Tracy, are you familiar with who John D. Rockefeller I is? Am. Okay. So that book is based on John D. Rockefeller and this concept is based on what his family has done. So what most people, and before I read this book, I didn't realize is that generally, let's just say that the the example he always uses is Andrew Carnegie. Do you know who Andrew Carnegie is? Oh, gosh. I know the name, but he, if you ask me. He existed me. right around the time of John D. Rockefeller. So Ron, John D. Rockefeller is the oil guy. Okay. okay. Andrew Carnegie was the steel guy. Oh, okay. But... But they were both ultra, ultra rich at this point in time in history. Um, If you're familiar with like the laws that prevent companies from becoming monopolies, they're there because of these two guys, because they completely had monopolies and they made the laws so that this could never happen again. But anyways, the Andrew Carnegie, so one of the richest men in the world at this time, John Mm -hmm. D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie's wealth was gone after three generations of his family, completely gone. John Sounds D. Rockefeller's family is still living off. No way. John D. Rockefeller's wealth today. Oh, wow. So they're well, so you're, you're looking at it. And historically, if you don't realize this, this is how it works with rich people is that you're lucky if you make it three generations yeah, after know. the person creates the wealth yeah there's there's that like it's a, still there there's a saying about how i don't remember if it's that the that like you make it the and then the kids kids spend it or the the grandkids spend it or something like that but right yeah it's, it, it's exactly it's i mean the general consensus of it is is that you know you're you're rich you're raising your kids as rich kids they have yeah. everything they want they get whatever they mm-hmm. want and it doesn't teach them any lessons. They they're not responsible. Right. And but somehow John D. Rockefeller created a system where if you look through history, it's not every Rockefeller, but th- since John D. Rockefeller has died, there's been very, very, very successful Rockefellers. And they all still have a lot of wealth because of this system he built. And that's okay. what these books are about, is how you can build this system. Well, now Pretty I'm, much the same system as I'm what intrigued. they do. So, so that's what these books outline. And basically what that system is, is instead of... So it just basically throws out Roth IRAs, 401ks, all of these different things that you hear everybody talk about investing yeah. your money in. It, it throws all that out the door and says, don't use any of that. And what they use instead, what is this thing? And once again... If you follow personal finance yeah, and you follow the big gurus that are out there now, you're going to get sick when you hear what I say is their system. And that system is whole life insurance. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, we started doing that. Yeah. So I was, was going to say, so are you going to start, are you going to do what they, uh, what they said? And apparently we are. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so the reason, the reason why. So this is, I'm going to start with, why Why do people hate whole life insurance? Because whole life insurance is really expensive. 
If you look at, so there's, there's two different kinds of life insurance. Today, people will tell you to get term life insurance. Mm-hmm. And th- then there's whole life insurance. There's other ones, but let's just, right. we're going to keep it simple. So most people tell you to get term because it's really cheap. And, and they're like, it's insurance. So you want to pay as little as possible to get the protection you need. Right. Now, the argument that's made in these books is that whole life insurance is actually cheaper than term life insurance. I know when I worked in insurance, I I was a bigger fan of, of whole life. So your monthly premium, though, is considerably more expensive yep. for, whole, for whole life insurance than it is for term. So why would whole life insurance be the better bargain? Well, because there's very almost never an instance in your life where you're not going to make... In fact, there is never an instance in your life when you are not going to make money off your whole life insurance. Exactly. Because when you die, that policy is going to be worth a lot more money yep. than what you paid for it. Exactly. Whereas term insurance, at being an insurance, you should know this, it has a term it, to it. Yep. So and it's you like, never know when it's going to... Well, you know when it's going to die off. But, but but like 80% of the time, people never get anything from their term insurance exactly. because it you, expires before you die. And that's why I never liked term term right. life. And so it's like I basically figured that I was paying into something that wasn't ever going to pay out. And I hated that. I figured that if I was going to pay in, I wanted it to pay out to me. So, so yeah. So like the fundamental thought of it is, is that whole life insurance is just better because you pay for it. And you no matter it's gonna it might happen when you die, right? But at least but by the end of your it. life, you have gotten all that money back and considerably yeah. more. Or at least somebody's gonna get that money back, right? Right. Whoever your heirs are. So, and then on top of that, so in traditional our traditional way of saving money. So, like, let's just say you lock up money in a four hundred one k. Now, some some places will let you take a loan on your four hundred one k. Some places won't. So there is an option to get some get access to that money if you need it. Right. But but for the most part, once you put money into a retirement account, it's kind of gone. Right. It does nothing for you until you retire. Yep. Which one can it's, argue the advantages and disadvantages of that because you can't spend exactly, it until you retire, which is a good thing. Some people have have hot fingers and they want to touch it. So But with whole life insurance, there's another component to it, which is called the cash value. Mm-hmm. So as you're paying into life insurance, your life insurance value is growing, but also this internal cash value within the life insurance policy is growing. Okay. Okay. So as you pay into this, pay into this, pay into this, at any point in time, you can go to the life insurance company and whatever that cash value is, you can borrow that from them. Okay. And the beauty of these borrowing this money from the insurance company is that you can't be disapproved. So no matter what your credit score looks like, no matter what right. anything, you can't be disapproved for the loan. You get the loan automatically. It's con- con- contractually guaranteed right. that you can get the loan. The payment terms are not set by the insurance company. They're set by you. Nice. So if you can't even pay... Oh yeah. You really don't have to pay because what'll happen is is when you die, they'll just pay off the loan with the oh, yeah. the pay the insurance money. But but there and there are finite 
details to that because right. if you take out too much of a loan you don't pay, it can actually cause the the policy to implode, which oh, you don't yeah. want to happen. So there are times where you do have to pay, but it's very flexible. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you, you're not actually pulling your money out of the insurance policy. Mm-hmm. When you take that loan, you're just borrowing it. Okay. So what ends up happening is there's a growth to that cash value every year on a whole life insurance policy, right? right. Well, that money for the most part is going to continue to grow even though you've borrowed it. Oh, right. It just probably won't grow as much, right? Well, what happens is it, it'll grow the same for the most part, but what what will happen is it's not true growth because you're taking a loan and that loan does have interest. Oh, okay. So the growth offsets the the interest that you're paying on the loan. Okay. Basically, so so to give you an idea, so like, like you alluded, we do this. The main policy that we have for this, mm-hmm. if I take a loan out on that today, you're going to in the in like year one through ten of our policy, right? You pay a point one percent interest rate. Okay. So the interest rate is actually like five percent. Okay. But after the growth in the policy, right, it drops it down to point one zero percent, and okay. then after year eleven, it just goes to zero. So like the growth is offsetting the interest. Yeah. And so the advantage to this is like. This money doesn't grow as fast as maybe if you put it in the stock market. Right. But this is not then, tied to the stock market. Right. So that so it consistently it grows mm-hmm. every year. Nice. And unlike your your investment funds that are in the stock market right now, mm-hmm. if something comes along and you like if you have the opportunity to buy a rental place and you know that you can, you know, Double your money on this rental place. Right. You go to the insurance company, you pull that money out, make that investment, make your return, put it all back into the insurance policy. That's nice. So, and this is how rich people stock their money away. Yeah. So that they, you know, because it's not about putting it into the, the, the stock market. It's about, or if it is about putting it into the stock market, it's about putting it in the stock market at the right time. Right. Instead of just leaving it in there and floating. That's a great pr- right. That's a great strategy, but it also but burns it also, people yeah, and things be, like that. It can, it can be, be dangerous. It really and can. W- where this is just slow, steady growth. And right. on top of that, now we, I've only learned about this in the last probably four years. Yep. So- we actually have about $300,000 in mutual funds in mm-hmm. the stock market. Right, which and is it's kind of nice to have to be able to have both because then you can kind of have two kinds of you, you know, like you said you don't get burned but then you can still still kind of play with it. It, it and- is nice, but the downside to that is is that that's $300,000 that if something happens and we need cash. We have right. no access then to you that. Don't. Well, we we can get it, but we're gonna pay like yeah. We're gonna give the government half the money to be able to get but, access to. But it. at least you don't have whatever you have in in the the whole life. At least that's not also in the stock market. Right. Right. So. So, but if I could go back and do it again, I think that way more would be yeah in this than it would be in. The stock market because Absolutely. I just feel like this is way more stable. Yeah, it's way more. It it 
it's beneficial to you right now. Oh, so yeah. like if something happens now, it's there to help you. Yeah. If there is an opportunity, whether it be in the stock market or whatever, mm-hmm. you always have capital available. Oh, absolutely. You make that investment and make a great return. And it's just, it's a more solid strategy. Oh, and right, then, right. And then to go back to like the Rockefeller thing, how they've continued this over the years and years yeah, and years. Yeah, and it's obviously strategy. seemed to have worked. And I, it's impressive. What I, from my, they don't go into a great detail on how it works past generation one, because I think they want you to become a customer to figure that out. But I'm what thinking I, probably. But what I figured out is what they're doing is essentially, okay, so I have one of these policies, mm-hmm. right? When I die, that policy is going to kick out $2 million right. in, a, in a death benefit. What what happens is when that kicks out, I that goes into a trust for, for the next generation. But But the trust is designed in a way where it can only help you to an extent. It's not just giving you a blank check and saying, go have fun with this $2 million. It's more like, okay... You can come to the trust when you want to buy a house and we'll give you the down payment to put on your house. You need a car, you can come to the trust. We'll give you a really, really, really lucrative interest rate loan for mm-hmm. that vehicle and things like that. And this is how they've pr- the Rockefellers have preserved their that is wealth really nice over the way. generations because you know, you're not just giving somebody a blank check. You're only giving them the you're giving them jumps ahead in life, right? But, but they not, still have to learn how to live like a normal person. And that's person. the perfect way to do it. And yeah, and seriously, I mean Rockefeller. I mean, I want to say 1910s. Yeah, probably I was gonna say I, somewhere. I, then. I know. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, because I'm but trying to it's think. It's still going on today, mm-hmm. and that's and, that is impressive. So. And that's basically the general concept of what this whole strategy is. And I think I, I I find it hilarious because I think that the strategy makes so much sense to me. And why don't more people but do people, it? And- but but like all of the modern gurus loathe even the topic you, of whole life insurance. Do you know why? Probably it's well, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily but it's it partially goes back to the episode that I just recently did. It's it's not the normal way of doing things. But why isn't it? That's the in in the interesting thing, Tracy. Is don't know forties, fifty, thirties, forties, fifties. You're this right. This is the and this way so everybody far, saved their money. You're right. And it's not even that it was because that's so far far away. It's it's not even it's not even like it's a new concept. You're right. And that is so funny. The only good thing I can conceivably come to is that, and and I I guess I am not qualified enough to make this judgment, but I almost feel like the government is a driving force in this because having everybody stick their money into the stock market is a great driver for our economy. Yeah. And maybe he was just kind of an out there eccentric type of, of guy. He was like the only guy who did it and- no, because like I said, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, this Every- is how everybody did it. Yeah, so so something changed. And I think what happened was when somebody figured out, hey, 
we could have everybody invest yep. all their money in the stock market. So then the I government think, saw that and yep. it's like, whoa, that's going to make our economy So explode. then I think something changed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted to do it. It's and not once, that nobody wanted to do it. It just got forgotten. Yeah. It got and, forgotten because this new shiny thing showed up. And right. people, a lot of people were putting a lot of weight behind this. So everybody right. thought this was the thing they needed to do. And then suddenly... Suddenly, it became the norm to do the stock market, and then and then this just kind of gets forgetting, and then you have like, and then you, it's you like, well, like, I don't want to put all the money in, and and then you have like the Dave Ramseys that come along, yeah, and say, Does whole life whole life insurance is the worst possible thing yep, you could ever okay. invest in, and then people, but, a lot of people then, like to follow Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. And so, dude, dude, just out of curiosity because i know a lot of people like to follow Susie orman do you know what she she's the same way okay she's completely against okay whole life insurance as those well. are the two two of the big financial names yeah. that i know so that's why <laughs> um so yeah so you have two people who who are big in that that world and people follow them so right there yeah so they just kind of killed this strategy off yep. but but when i learned about this strategy and i'm not even gonna say that that this is Superior. I think it probably is superior. I think it's a great way, Be- and especially, especially right there. If you if you have it proven by the Rockefellers, now we haven't we haven't fully tested this yet. I mean, we've just started it a couple of years ago, but I think it could be a really great. I. It seems like, and in the the most compelling part of it to me is is that. That whole dynasty thing, That's you know, going what, past generation that right one there is that, what really does it for me. I mean, that makes this like a level above any th- all levels of investment it, things I've seen. The unfortunate as, thing is uh, with us, it doesn't matter because right, like, we kind of die after our I, generation because we don't have kids. My brother doesn't have kids. Your brother doesn't have kids. We right. just Un- unfortunately so. the only the only thing that it it really does is. Is that if you die be first, then I have right. who, who knows, or or you know, whenever, yeah, yeah, or we have a little bit of retirement, I guess. But otherwise, it's it's just you know, maybe if you die, then I can be like, well, I guess I'm going to take out the down payment for my house in South America. Mm. <laughs> but otherwise, that's that's really about it. But but yeah, I guess it's it's just. It's it is an interesting thing. At least we know we have some retirement for for the the end years. But but yeah, it's it's hard to be able to test it on children, I guess, unless we we have somebody to give it to in the future. But it is it is a very intriguing. I think it's it's something that's really opened my eyes and 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 I guess in that's why I kind of subscribe to now typically don't try to do things the way the normal we don't really in in general in our life these days anyway but i really think that this is an intriguing way especially since you told me how it's gone how many generations now this is this is really really intriguing and even if you don't I mean, even if you don't hear that, I I like the idea when you told me to start with. But now that you told me where it came from, I like it. The aspects that you have access to this money your entire life. I think that's extremely powerful. Right. And the fact that 
done right and you get this this thing big enough yeah anytime there's any crisis you never have to go ask somebody to borrow money right and i like go tell them that you're gonna borrow the money Mm -hmm. which i think is extremely powerful right and um so like the advantages to this the biggest beef i have with like the normal retirement system right now is Mm -hmm. just that you know you, you park the money there and you're and just it's, trusting. It's yours and you're just, you're just trusting that a bunch of strangers are going to do enough to make you rich. Right. Which it, this is way puts you way more in control yep. of your life. And and I'm a vi- big proponent of being in control of your e- life. Putting putting it into your hands rather than other people's hands. Because I'll yeah. be quite honest with you, I don't, don't really trust. trust other people. I don't either. So, no offense, other people. <sighs> I just I just have trust issues sometimes. And one, one, well, there's a couple more things I want to add to this before yeah. we wrap this one up. So in the book, Budgeting Sucks, one of the unique things they talked about in that episode that I thought was interesting was that most people, when, when they're, tra- when you're trying to get your finances under control, mm-hmm. most people are trying to like cut back on this thing or cut back on food, cut back on just general oh, yeah. expenses. And, and they said that, they don't even bother with that. They okay. say the the optimal way to really, really reduce your expenses if you want to ca- capture more money right. is to look at insurance, look oh. at car car insurance. They're like, build up a nice nest egg and put bigger deductibles on your, your car insurance. Okay. That's going to go yeah. a lot farther in freeing up extra yeah, money than, than, you know, cutting back, cutting back on... Doritos is going to you know so they took a very they take a very different approach to interesting to um building you know Mm -hmm. what am I trying to say they're they're they take a different approach to budging they 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 take a different approach to budgeting Mm -hmm. and a lot of people hate the modern like the normal approach to budgeting so you could look at that switch that, that anyway yeah and the other big one that they talk about is when paying off credit card debt. They have a completely, completely different philosophy than what most people teach you about mm-hmm. paying off credit card debt. Because instead of looking at it from the perspective of how do how do we save you with the most money? Okay. What they're tr- just trying to do is they're trying to take, they're trying to put as much get the debt paid off as quickly as possible but put as much money into your pocket at the same time oh nice so it's more focused on cash flow than it is focused on actually like interest and things like that they're they're saying pay a little more interest but if it puts more money in your pocket today and makes your life better subscribe to that which i think is an interesting interesting. concept I can see where they're coming from too, because it's right. like, well, that way you have some money coming in as well. And by having more money in your pocket, it enables you, if you do it right, it enables to you to pay, pay that debt off, off yeah. faster. And yeah, I actually do get where they're coming from. And it's just, it's so funny that to me that when I read this, everything that there's this strategy that they talk about, and like, why are more people not talking about this? Because it just makes so much sense to I, me. Well, and, and I, I think it's because it's not popular because it's not the way that it has. But been it should done. be. <laughs> that's right. the, That's what I no, struggle and, with. And I and I I agree. I really do agree. It's just not 
the way. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think maybe there's one or two people in the corner going, hey, but this is, oh, okay, never mind. I'll just stay quiet here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and honestly, I just, I think that that's maybe the way, like maybe he's gone to a meeting or two of financial people and said, hey, um, I've done this. And people are like, ugh, why? <laughs> <laughs> I could just I could just picture that and and they're all like please don't come back. <laughs> so I just I just feel like sometimes if you're not doing what everybody else is doing then you just you just aren't the popular and and that's why people aren't talking about it but you and I are very open to the different kind of thinking well, if I, it gets results. I'll be, honest. I'll be honest, I don't know about you but I seek out Oh, I seek out different thinking because a lot of times that is the thing that that works, especially for us, because we are very different. But a lot of times the different kind of thinking and doing is what is is working because because a lot of times people will do what has been working for however long or just what people have been doing for however long. But sometimes if you do what people aren't talking about then all of a sudden it's like oh well this is a new way of of doing something it's like well it actually isn't but it's just a way that somebody's hasn't been talking about or Mm. it's just yeah i i I like i like just trying something different because maybe it isn't working for you or maybe it's just not talked about because it's not the popular way i i heard on a podcast one time where this guy said he's like i try to make my philosophy in life that if everybody is doing something I turn around and I run the other direction. Right. And that's kind of through all, through the probably last five years of my life. And especially like since we really started reading books, I have really started to subscribe to that because like the, I mean, the popular way of doing things is just that. It's just popular. popular. It's not the right way to do it. It's just the popular way to do it for some reason. Well, and and you and I have talked about how it's kind of a bummer when all of a sudden the music we like turns popular because we're like, oh, yeah, I used to like these guys. They can't be popular. And and uh, and I know there's a an author that I like. We've talked about her on here, Emily Henry. And I'm like, it's kind of a bummer that she's popular. I mean, good for her Mm -hmm. and everything, but. I also just don't like the the mainstream stuff because I I just don't like being being a popular kind of person or I I like I like being the person who gets to tell people about things and likes being the the not so not so known type stuff cuz I I like being not mainstream I guess. Yeah. So well and you'll find that outside of the mainstream, you know, when people find something that works really really well they don't sit and broadcast it for the world to know. They yeah. kind of tend to keep it to themselves or they tell people around them about it. But Right. I'll tell people so- around me, but I don't like to, to broadcast it. I mean, I'll broadcast it on here sometimes, obviously, my, my favorite author. And but- it's gotten better with podcasts and stuff that people are out there saying more things that they're... Right. But the biggest thing is, is that, I mean, especially in business, the the some of the best advice I've ever gotten has just become, it's not become from reading a blog by some guru out there. It's about picking up, talking to somebody specifically, finding a book, 
mm-hmm. that people are are doing things outside of the box and they're only catering to a certain clientele. Right. Because I promise you, like Gary Gunderson is not he's in his circle, he's a legendary probably. Right. But go out on the street and find ask ten people and probably maybe one of them will know him if you're right. very, very lucky. So and that's the kind of things that I've learned I want to start seeking out because I right. feel like I feel like this is way more powerful than 98% of the stuff that you see on a normal basis right. in this space. So I do want to say one more thing with regards, but then I'll go into it to the actual number. But mm-hmm. if somebody out there has found that this is intriguing yeah. and wants to do this, or wants to look further into this, I highly recommend Gary Gunderson. The other thing is there is an author called Nelson Nash. He's the godfather of this concept, I guess. He's dead now, but he does still have an institute out there that is works on teaching this on a regular basis, you know, and, but the biggest thing to know about this is this is not something you can walk into any insurance insurance uh, agency and get. Yeah, because we actually went to a financial place to do this, correct? I had to to find, to do this policy, I had to find somebody. Anytime you go get life insurance, it's got to be done through an agency. Right. But but I had to go, I went out and I found an agent that was specifically set up to do this kind of policy Mm -hmm. because these policies are structured very, very differently mm-hmm. than the policy. Like if you have a whole life insurance policy today, it is not properly, more than likely not properly structured to right. do this. Yeah, because I was there, sitting there. It'll work. Don't get me wrong. It will right. work. It just can be, it can be structured a lot, lot better Right. to be more efficient. Right. Because so, I remember when we were setting it up, or I mean, it was more so you, but I was, <laughs> I was there kind of for part of it, but- you know, it was we were specifically talking about how it was going to pay out for the specific reason, not for life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you want to know what you're talking about when you're going in there, not not like this kind of thing. Well, so, yeah, and but you want to like, go and find an agent that mm-hmm. specifically deals with this concept, and right. and, and normally this concept is t- called infinity banking, um, bank on yourself. Um, I don't remember. There is a lot of other jargons that people use for it. But but if you're interested in this and you want to explore it, I would highly recommend reading. Personally, I, of, all, of the books we're reviewing today, I would read What Would the Rockefellers Do? Because I thought that was the best book. But at the same time, that was also the original book that really introduced me to this concept. So it might not be the best book, you know. Right. And then, but the other thing is, is to Nelson Nash does have a website if you look it up and you can go to it and you can actually look up certified agents to set up these policies, which I happened to do this the other day and God darn it, would you believe it? There's one in Hortonville. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's near us in Wisconsin, guys. Where we're at, that's about 15 minutes away from us. So, so Yeah. So just make sure if you if this is something you're interested in, definitely surround yourself with a lot of information before yeah. jumping into it. Because I am by f- no means an expert on this, and and more importantly, make sure that you get the right kind of policy mm-hmm. because the other kind of policies, 
basically your your typical agent is not going to want to give you this policy because they don't make nearly as much money right. off of it because yeah they you don't believe it yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> as, because, as being well, it I, the the majority of the money that you're going to stick into this policy is stuck in through a rider called a PUA and that PUA doesn't really make the agent any money mm-hmm. so like on the policy that we have over well over half of the money goes into the PUA, which means that agent really, he's probably getting something, but he's not getting nearly as much as if it were going right. into the normal policy. Oh, okay. And so their their commissions are way down, so they don't want to sell you these policies. Right. The people that will sell you these policies are the people that they're selling it to you because they believe that this is an amazing right. way to to build wealth. Yeah. So, so that's it for that. Oh, and I got to do a review. Okay, yeah. so, so with this book, I'm gonna give all these books pretty much the same rating. Okay. Um, just because, I, like I said, none of them were bad. It, it's just like it wasn't worth doing a review for each of them because right. they were all basically covering this, the same yeah. concept with couple little you know, variations or, yeah. of it in it. But I'm gonna give this just. For the concept, I'm going to give this these books a 4.8. Nice. Because I this nice. is something that really connected with me, really made sense to me. Yeah, well, it's, it seems like a very good learning experience. And, and I'll, I'll be terribly honest, I wish, I wish I would have discovered these books when I was one, 22 years yeah, old. Yeah, me because, too. Me because too. I, like, this could have been a... This, I feel like if I understood this concept back then, I could have done a lot more with yeah. it than I can do now. Hopefully we have and some I young would, listeners out yeah, there that are... That I, are... I would be a, in a way... I'm Not that we're in a bad situation oh, the way no, we are now, but... but but we would could probably be in a way better situation yeah. had I known about this when I did. Yeah, so. but... So, well, hopefully awesome. that wasn't too boring for everybody, because I'm pretty sure nobody... Wants to listen to a podcast about whole life insurance. But I do, because I listen to a podcast every week about it. So, so, but, but yeah, I, I do really think that the value brought out of this book was pretty amazing. Yeah, actually, so. I, I didn't, never really asked you where you got the information about that from. So now well, I know. That's yeah. kind of intriguing to oh, me. Oh, so you see, I, I don't even discuss these things with Tracy. I'm like, I'm doing this doing this and she's like okay yeah <laughs> so like okay well and maybe you did tell me and i was just like boring <laughs> well in, in it, i'm i'm completely open Tracy. this is some boring stuff yeah and everybody's but, like fast forward fast yeah forward, yeah, fast yeah, forward. yeah they're like, like I, what's the next book i mean i mean if if there's a hundred people listening to this podcast yeah 90 percent of them are probably like yeah, like I we, hope we can the get this one over is... with as soon as possible, yeah. you know, but. Well, I promise the next book from me is going to be, well, I guess it all depends on. Who <laughs> she the... promises the next book's going to be way more interesting. Well, I, it all depends on who our listeners are. I mean, but, but my next book is not going to be a psychology book. It's actually going to be a, an interesting nonfiction book or. Sorry, I always get that messed up. It's going to be an interesting fiction book from me. It's an Ashley Poston book. It's uh, one of her recent ones, The Seven Year Slip. Oh, yeah. So I can already tell you my next book review I'm going to do, and I apologize again. It's going to be a book co-authored 
by the guy that wrote all these books. So yes, no, <laughs> actually, I I do I do find your your books kind of interesting. I do like to ask what you're reading all the time. So, but I'm gonna actually have kind of a few Ashley Poston books for a while because we have that, and then I'm gonna hand you over the her other book. So she writes some really fun books. I realized. I mean, I knew she did, but uh, but now that I'm rereading her one of her first ones, I uh, I remembered how interesting she is. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna have a couple of her books for a while. So I'm kind of fun. I'm kind of uh, excited about that. I'm sure everybody else is too. <laughs> They're like, we're... I just don't want any more boring books. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, so. tell us some stories, please. Well, but hopefully, eventually, you know, eventually, one of these days, one of these boring books that I spend countless hours reading is going to resonate with that listener. Well, and honestly, that's that I think is the thing is that we we even each other out because. I like to sometimes read the, the the fun and whimsical books and sometimes the books about the brain. And you like to read the stuff that is about finance and gets us saving for the future and all of that stuff. And sometimes I don't realize what all of your reading really, really does for us. So Well, and it's just, it, I don't... I don't know, like, I guess it's so weird because I view, I see it as, um, uh, I cannot understand 100% why people would look at what I read and say, God, that's boring. But, but it, it's it, so honestly, fascinating though, Well, and that's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes, though, I really do see why. When you talk about your books, I do find it fascinating. I just don't know if I could sit there and read all of it. And when I was reading the Neurodivergent books... I was finding them incredibly fascinating. And I do have another one that I have to read. It's not neurodivergent, but it's about your body and how it can just start to hurt when when things start to happen and stuff. And But I'm just taking a break from from uh, nonfiction books for a little bit. And and I think that will be very, very interesting. But I just need to need to read some some books that take me away for a while. <laughs> But I do I do find books that are nonfiction super, super fascinating, but I just I also like books that just that just take me away and you know mm-hmm. especially when I'm just in a in a place. So so yeah, I, I really do find your books fascinating. It's just uh our brains are different. Yeah. So So all but, right. Well, well with, I, I don't got nothing else. All right. so. so with that we encourage you guys to listen to our other podcast, Stigmas and Open Wounds. And if you have anything, anything that you would like to write us, send us an email at stigmasandopenwounds at gmail.com. And we'll be back in hopefully two weeks, give or take. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.